Hi, everyone. I'm Chris Katolka, host of the Friends of Israel Today. I want to ask, would you consider a gift to support the radio ministry of the Friends of Israel? Your donation allows us to continue teaching biblical truth about Israel and the Messiah as we stand alongside the Jewish people in these ever-changing times. You can visit our website, foiradio.org, and you can just click right there on the donation link. Also, let us know where you're listening when you contact us, and I want to say thank you for all your prayers and continual support of our radio ministry. Welcome to the Friends of Israel Today. I'm Steve Conover. In Hebrews 13.3, we read, Remember those in prison as though you were in prison with them and those ill-treated as though you too felt their torment. Christian persecution is as real today as it was 2,000 years ago. Reports say this is the third year in a row the modern persecution of Christians worldwide has hit another record high. And even though we are often insulated from physical Christian persecution in the West, the scriptures speak right to the heart of those suffering. And today on the program, we're going to turn to those passages that were written to encourage the persecuted, and we'll learn to see the importance of identifying with them in prayer. And then we're going to turn our attention to Israel and discuss God's providential geographical placement of this small country in the Middle East. But first, the news. Globes recently reported that the Binational Research and Development Energy Program welcomed five new clean energy projects from the United States and Israel, promising to allocate $4.8 million toward these companies. U.S. Secretary of Energy Rick Perry said, This kind of collaboration will be mutually beneficial and allow both countries to achieve their economic and energy security goals. Clean and renewable energy has been a priority for Israel for decades since oil and gas are an extremely expensive commodity. In fact, Israelis have been using solar technology since the 1950s to heat water for their homes. And for that reason today, Israel is on the cutting edge of clean energy innovation. Umar Melinde grew up in a devout Muslim family. In fact, his grandfather was a famous imam, which means he was a Muslim teacher. And Umar was set on the same path as his grandfather. He too was educated in the teachings of Islam and was being raised up and trained to become a sheikh, someone who is well-versed in the memorization and interpreting of the Quran and other Islamic teachings in Arabic. All of that changed, though, for Umar when he encountered Jesus. When, when he heard the good news of the gospel. After Umar was saved and became a Christian, he couldn't remain silent. He had to tell the people of Uganda all about Jesus. Umar started the Gospel Life Church International in 2005 with only three people, himself, his wife, and a new convert from Islam who Umar had just led to Christ. Today, the Gospel Life Church International has more than a thousand members. And think about this, 35% of them are ex-Muslim. This is such an amazing story, and I'll tell you quite a testimony as well. Now, being a convert to Christianity and encouraging other Muslims to put their faith in Christ put a huge target on Pastor Umar Melende. In 2011, 
Umar was attacked by Ugandan Muslims. They cornered Umar one evening and did the unthinkable. They poured acid on his face. And the moment the acid hit his face, his skin and muscles started to melt away, disfiguring almost his entire face. Umar's persecution didn't stop him, though. Instead, it energized him to continue to spread the good news of Jesus Christ in Uganda. And now, as a result, his ministry is international. Umar is not only a former Muslim who preaches about Jesus, he even has a love and appreciation for Israel. After his acid attack, Umar received special facial reconstruction surgery in Israel at Sheba Medical Center in Tel Hashomer near Tel Aviv. Umar says this about his experience. Despite my sufferings, I know from the Bible that God can take a disadvantage and turn it into an advantage. Pastor Umar Melinde suffered and was physically marred because of his faith in Jesus the Messiah. And I am positive he would be the first to tell you he's not the first one to face persecution or the last. The persecution of followers of Christ is an important part of the history of the church. And I think it's important for all Christians to remember Christ never promised the easy life for following him. He never lied to men like Pastor Melinde. Jesus actually said in Matthew chapter 10, verse 22, You will be hated by everyone because of my name. But the one who endures, the one who perseveres to the end, will be saved. I'm sure when those Ugandan Muslims poured acid on the face of Pastor Melinde, they thought this would shut him up. The near-death experience alone would probably force him into hiding, and the fear of losing his life would prevent him from ever sharing the gospel again. But that's not what happened. Pastor Melinde endured. He persevered. And God took that horrific moment in Melinde's life that left him forever marred to become the pivotal moment to propel his testimony globally. More and more people are attracted to Pastor Melinde's faith in Christ because it doesn't get any more real than seeing another believer persevering in the face of persecution. The question we need to ask ourselves is this. How do we get to a place in our faith where persevering becomes more important than the persecution and suffering we face? How do we get to a place like the Apostle Paul, where he's literally imprisoned in Rome for his faith in Christ, writing about the joy of the Lord to the church of Philippi. Well, the first thing is this. You have to recognize that suffering and persecution is actually a corollary of being a Christian. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verses 11 and 12, Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and say all kinds of evil things about you falsely on account of me. Rejoice and be glad because your reward is great in heaven, for they persecuted the prophets before you in the same way. And the Apostle Paul says this in 2 Timothy 3 verse 12, when he talks about living a godly life in the world today, he says this, Now, in fact, all who want to live godly lives in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. So the first step to getting to a place where persevering becomes more important than the persecution and suffering we're facing is recognizing that persecution 
in your faith is normal. Even in a country that protects the liberty to believe in Jesus. On top of realizing persecution is a part of being a Christian, you must remember those who are facing persecution today. To remember to pray for them. You know, there are Christians all around the world who are suffering for their faith today. And just because they might be suffering in Asia or the Middle East doesn't mean we should ignore it over here in the United States or Canada. The writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 3, Remember those in prison as though you were in prison with them, and those ill-treated as though you too felt their torment. We shouldn't ignore their suffering. Instead, we should pray for them as though we were suffering alongside with them. It's one of the reasons here at the Friends of Israel, we always highlight Christian persecution around the world in each issue of Israel, my glory. So you can remember and pray for those who are suffering for their faith. Finally, how do we get to a place in our faith where persevering becomes more important than the persecution and suffering we face? We have to do the hardest thing. Are you ready? We have to die to this life. And that's an ongoing process as we grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus. Jesus said in Mark chapter 8, verse 35, For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and for the gospel will save it. Can I tell you, running from persecution and rejection is the natural defenses of the flesh telling us to save our own lives. But Jesus says to do the opposite of our flesh. Lose your life for the sake of his name and the gospel, and it's there. It's there you'll find the joy of the Lord in the midst of your suffering and persecution because you know the life you live now doesn't compare to what's coming. And let me say this. If persecution and suffering for the name of Christ scares you, listen, I completely understand but let me leave you with these verses. Romans chapter 8, verses 35 through 39. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will trouble or distress or persecution or famine, nakedness, danger, or sword? As it is written, for your sake we encounter death all day long. We were considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we have complete victory through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor heavenly rulers, nor things that are present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. May these verses be a reminder to you that persevering, the reward of persevering, is much greater than the persecution and suffering we face today.
Does the growing tide of intolerance toward Christians affect you? As Chris mentioned, the persecution of believers worldwide is increasing, and we as followers of Christ should not be passive in the face of this reality. In the book Persecution, author Elwood McQuaid shares many eye-opening facts and stories of Christian persecution happening here at home and abroad. Dr. McQuaid's book will teach how you can make a difference for the cause of Christ and respond effectively to the intolerance experienced by Christians today. You can order a copy of Dr. Elwood McQuaid's book, Persecuted, when you visit foiradio.org. That's foiradio.org. Or call our listener line at 888-343-6940. Again, that's 888-343-6940. In the 16th century, a Protestant German pastor, theologian, and cartographer, Heinrich Bunting, created the Bunting Clover Leaf Map, or what some call the World in Clover Leaf. The medieval map is shaped like a clover leaf, and each leaf represents a continent. One leaf is Europe, another Asia, and another Africa. And what makes this map so unique and special is what connects all three continents together to form the clover leaf. It's Jerusalem and Israel. For Bunting, who was a pastor, theologian, and cartographer, I think one of the most interesting combinations of titles to be put together, for Bunting, Israel was the center of the world. And Bunting is right. Israel was the center of the world. Why have empires and nations fought after the land for ages? It's because of its strategic location. You know, Israel is more than just a nation, my friends. It's a land bridge that connects Europe to Africa and Africa to Asia. When Egypt wanted to trade gold or linen or papyrus with Babylon or Persia in the Middle East, they would have to go through Israel. When the Greeks wanted to trade with the Ethiopians, their olive oil, they would go through Israel. When the Ethiopians wanted to do trade with the Babylonian farmers, they would go through Israel. Israel was a coastal highway system. Today, there's a place in Israel called Tel Megiddo. It's an archaeological site, and and it's really one of the most fought-after areas in history. Archaeologists that are digging in Tel Megiddo have uncovered more than 20 strata of civilizations packed on top of one another. And the reason it was so coveted It was the most narrow point in the highway system that connected Africa with Asia and Europe. And if you control Megiddo, you controlled international trade. Everyone flowed in and out of Israel. And I believe this is one of the reasons God chose this land. What better way to introduce the world to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob than to choose the one place the entire known world traveled through at that time? And, you know, God didn't just close his eyes and spin the globe and wherever his finger landed is the place where he would promise to put his people. No, instead, he providentially placed the Hebrews in the land of Israel. Remember, this was before computers, social media, email, text messaging, phone calls. You know, in the earliest days, the quickest way to get a message around was simply by word of mouth. 
As Egyptians would travel north or Babylonian south, tradesmen would encounter Israelites who would share their faith and culture with them and spread the word of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob throughout the Gentile world. And oftentimes I hear Christians say this, God judged Israel in the Old Testament because they didn't get out of the land and spread the message of God throughout the world. Well, that theory is completely wrong. You know, God commanded the Israelites to obey him, and if they obeyed him, he would keep them in the land because he was bringing the world to them. What's amazing, though, is to see that not much has changed. You know, Israel is still the place the world goes to. Businesses internationally are sending their research and development funds to Israel. From the tech industries of Silicon Valley to the automobile industry of South Korea, Israel has been the country to invest in. And you can see how all of this gets worked out in the growing church in Israel. At the Jerusalem Assembly, Pastor Menno Kalisher ministers to people all around the world. He delivers his message in Hebrew, and it's translated right away into 10 languages, like English, Russian, German, and Spanish. The nations are still pouring into Jerusalem. And what I love to see is that God still isn't done with Israel, Jerusalem, or the Jewish people. I've been reading through the book of Isaiah, and I'm at an exciting moment at the end of the book when the prophet encourages us to pray to God that he would fulfill his promise and make Jerusalem the centerpiece of the world. Isaiah says this in Isaiah chapter 62, verses 6 and 7, I post watchmen on your walls, O Jerusalem. They should keep praying all day and all night. You who pray to the Lord, don't be silent. I love that. Don't be silent, you who pray to the Lord. Don't allow him, that's God, don't allow him to rest until he reestablishes Jerusalem and he makes Jerusalem the pride of the earth. Well, pastor, theologian, and cartographer Heinrich Bunting must have known from the scriptures that God providentially placed his people in the land everyone would go to. Why? So the message of his grace and mercy could spread from sea to sea. Now, Apples of Gold, a dramatic reading from the life and ministry of Holocaust survivor Svi Kalisher. I was recently asked to visit a very sick elderly man whose son is my friend. I arrived in the final hours of his life. He told me he had been a drunk all his life. Now that I have reached the end of my life, he said, 
I realize I have never known satisfaction, not from things, people, or even my children. I have been bad and drank far too much. I never even thought about my family, and now God will not hear my voice if I call on him. I told him, No, my friend, that is not so. Every cloud has a silver lining, and you can have a silver lining because even now at the end of your life you can be saved. Can I be saved after everything I have done? he asked. Yes, I answered. The Lord our Savior gave himself for us so that we can have everlasting life. He asked if this was really true. I told him it was indeed true, and I read Isaiah 53, 6. All we like sheep have gone astray. I then said, The passage from our own Hebrew scriptures is meant for everyone who comes to the Lord, even if that happens at the very end of your life. All you must do is trust in him. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Surprisingly, this man became peaceful and quiet. And when his son came into the room, he asked, What have you done to my father that he is so quiet and says he is happy? When his father related everything he had heard and told his son he believed it, the son was displeased. I told him it is my duty and the duty of every believer to tell others the truth in their time of need. We are responsible to each other. How can you be responsible for my father? You're not a member of this family. I replied, We have one father in heaven. As members of his family, we have a responsibility to one another. Are you against your father having such peace from the Lord in his final hours? No, the son replied. But I am against you because you spoke with him about a faith he never heard about all through his life. That is exactly the point, I said. Even though he had not heard before how to have true faith in the Lord, the Lord will still receive him, and your father is happy because he is no longer lost. You will all have to stand before the Lord one day, just as your father will do very soon. He has heard the truth about Jesus Christ and has gladly received him. He is now happy in the Lord, and you and your family can share his last moments with him in happiness. I pray they will accept the Lord soon before they are on their deathbeds in a lost and hopeless condition. Chris, we've been talking about persevering in our faith today. Do you have a closing challenge for us? Steve, I love how the writer of Hebrews reminds all believers that we are a part of the body of Christ. And because we're bound together, we suffer together. And I want to challenge our listeners to remember those suffering today 
as though you were with them in their persecution. Thank you, Chris. Visit us at foiradio.org. That's foiradio.org. Or contact us at 888-343-6940. Again, that's 888-343-6940. Our host and teacher is Chris Katolka. Today's program was produced by Tom Gallion, co-written by Sarah Fern, engineered by Bob Beebe, Mike Kellogg read Apples of Gold, and our theme music was composed and performed by Jeremy Strong. I'm Steve Conover, executive producer. The Friends of Israel Today is a production of the Friends of Israel Gospel Ministry. We are a worldwide Christian ministry communicating biblical truth about Israel and the Messiah while fostering solidarity with the Jewish people.